0: Well, I am really excited to be here um, with you guys. I, I tell you, I really do love your pastor. Frank is a huge blessing. And uh, I'll tell you what, it's neat to see guys uh, in the fellowship of churches that we have in the, in the church that we're a part of to, you know, that have the, the wisdom, the insight, the humility. And I have been impacted greatly by your pastor. I think he deserves a big hand. He is a blessing, a blessing. Sometimes you don't know what you have, and and I'll just tell you, you really have been blessed with the pastor that you you have. Well, I I am so excited to be a part of Redemption Church. This is family now, and so I just want to proclaim this, that we are family. And so, because we're family, you now have to tolerate me, whether or not you like me or not. There's just those people in your family that you go... Ah, they're family. And now the holidays are coming up. And so now the holidays, you've got to be around those people, like the crazy uncle and the the weird, uh, you know, aunt and all those kinds of things you have. And I here, I'll just put it out. I'm fine being any one of those things to you as long as you just go, he's family, you know, and there's kind of that we love him attitude. And so I will tell you this, that, that uh, the church that we are a part of is in, in the inner city. And so if you want to yell back at me, amen today. I'm, I'm really used to that. You will not distract me. And I know I can just tell by this crowd I'm going to be shouted down. I'm going to be screaming, running around. It's going to be incredible, okay? And so just get ready for the ride of your life. Um, no, I, and I, I just, I, I, I am so blessed, so blessed to be a part of this family, and and I want to put all of my cards on the table just up front just so you know what we're trying to do throughout this series, and it's an honor for me to be a part of this. There's a few of us, Redemption congregations, that are going through this Advent series, specifically the Sounding Joy series together. And we're going to be walking through Colossians uh, chapter 1, 15, and, and 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 some verses there. They're going to be unpacking those verses as we go through this series. Today, I'm going to kind of just... Give an intro, so just think of this as a really long intro, and we're going to spend some time just looking at a few things about the character of God through Colossians at the end of this sermon, but I'm going to, we're going to combat a few things. But what we want to do inside of this series is we want to stir up in the people of God a longing, a desire, a longing, a waiting for the Saviour. That Advent is this awaiting, it's this longing that's building up in His people for that Savior. So we want to build that up. We want that anticipation, that longing, that waiting to build within us. And and the reason why we want to do that is is because we, we, we in our culture do not know how to wait. We don't wait for anything. Now, not only culturally don't we wait... But we, by nature, do not wait. Now, I have five kids. I said that earlier. And one thing that if you have kids, you know, they are born into sin. I am the father of just little sinners, okay? And so I look at them, and they're cute, but they're sinful. And and they're impatient. If you have kids, you know, in the middle of the night... They don't wake up and go, you know, mom and dad are sleeping and, um, you know, I don't want to bother them. My, my problems, they can wait till tomorrow morning. I'll just be patient, wait for them to wake up and say, mom. no, they're going to yell out in the middle of the night. They're going to cry at the top of their lungs. They're going to just interrupt that deep sleep and you're going to know exactly, I want to be taken care of now. Have you ever traveled with kids before? Uh, We went to Redemption Flagstaff just a couple weekends ago, and it's only a two-hour drive. And every five minutes, Dad, are we there yet? And I had to give lesson after lesson of, be patient. It's only two hours. You watch cartoons for longer than that, right? And so two hours just in patience. It's in us. The other thing, it's not only in us naturally. Culture feeds into it. Right, we do not know how to wait. Or let me put it this way: I don't know how to wait. The other day, I was in a hotel waiting for uh, uh, getting on the internet, and it was driving me crazy that I could not get my web page downloaded within fifteen, you know, within seconds. And then all of a sudden I'm just sitting there enraged that I had to actually wait for it to render and come up on the screen. And I'm thinking back, do you remember the time when you had to do dial-up and it made a hideous noise to get connected online? And then all of a sudden you, do, you had to wait and you thought, man, a minute, if it came up in a minute, you're like, man, that was so fast. And now we just cannot handle it. If it takes longer than a few seconds, we're refresh, 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 refresh. We're refreshing this thing over and over and over again. And we are in a culture that does not want to wait for anything. Not only do we not want to wait for anything, it has actually become a character trait to be admired when somebody is impatient. It's like that type A personality or that hard-charging person or that person that just gets things done. That busy person who will not wait for anything. That's something that now we have grown to admire. It's not just something that we have in our culture. It's something that we admire. How many of us, when asked how we're doing, really like to explain, Oh, we're just busy, busy, busy. It's just something to be admired. You don't want to say you're lazy. You don't want to say you're not doing anything. You don't want to just say we're resting or we're waiting. It's busy. Now, if we took a test to just kind of of ask these questions on how do we spend time in longing and awaiting our Savior, which Advent is all about. let Let me ask you, when's the last time we just saved money for months to buy something rather than just spending right away. When's the last time that you've seen a couple wait until they're married before they enter into a sexual relationship? When's the last time that you've prayed In earnest to hear God's voice and just waited to hear what it was that he was asking us to do before we moved. When's the last time we've waited and longed and wanted and desired but waited in anticipation? That's that longing. That's that anticipation that we are wanting to build. That the culture so pushes against that our nature so pushes against that's what advent is all about it is about building that anticipation and that longing for a savior and that the people of god would long for the day where our savior will return now another thing that we're going to do in this series is we're going to conflict other stories there is a myriad of stories. There are multiple stories that are out there, and the people of God believe in their heart that that there's this story about God, and that story shapes who they are as individuals. It shapes who they are as a community, and it shapes the way they interact with the world. But there are other stories, and those sor- stories are shaping culture. They're shaping people's lives. And so what we must not do is look at these times together as a time to just come and be entertained and just hear a good story and then check out. My, my wife and I have been dating uh, each other every week throughout our 15 years of marriage because we want to spend time together. We want to hear each other's lives and stories. We want to share in that. We want to build our relationship together. And one thing we really do like to do is go and watch some movies. And the reason why, and we've talked about this before, is there's something about going into a movie, and the lights going off, and and the picture coming up on the screen, and just for that two hours, we can check out of the drama, which is our life, and check into somebody else's drama, and just be able to go, oh, that's so sad, and not have any connection to it, oh, that's so scary, and not have any connection, and just be entertained by a story, and once it's over, we can walk out and say, oh, that was really good but not be impacted or shaped by it. And the reality of that is how many of us view what we do when we come together. We come into this room, we hear stories, we sit in here as the people of God, we hear these stories, we check into the the, the message that's being taken place, and we walk out and we're not shaped by it. But the reality is, is that this word that is being preached, this gospel that is being preached, this story about God that is being preached, is not one for us to check in and check out of. This is to shape our lives. This is the grand narrative that shapes our lives. And there are many conflicting stories. And one of those stories that we have to understand is a story in our culture. And that's, that's the story of consumerism. Now these stories fight against one another. Let me illustrate it like this. One thing in people in our congregation laugh at me because I get really antsy at this time of year because it just drives me absolutely bat wild how our our holidays are so bipolar. Let, let me explain that. We just celebrated Thanksgiving okay we just celebrated thanksgiving and we sit around and we're just this is the day to be thankful the one day of the year that we're going to be thankful this is incredible and thank god for our family and thank god for this and it's littered on facebook and we we hear people being so thankful and at our our family we go around the table and from a to z we thank god for something you know a you say something b we go around we're still thankful And the next day, we can't even go 24 hours. And now it's not only the next day. It's actually creeping into Thanksgiving. Now, 8 o'clock that night or the next day, people are saying, I'm no longer thankful. I need more. And they spend the rest of their time consuming and just, I need more. I, I don't have enough. I need more. And that's just one, right? Now we're going towards this holiday and we're awaiting the coming of this Savior into the world where we are a lost and broken people. We are sinful and we need a Savior. And so God sends Jesus and we celebrate Christmas and we say, I need a Savior. And a week later, a week later, we celebrate the new year by saying, I don't need a Savior, I'm going to make resolve to live my life the way I, I know I can. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. We pull ourselves up by the bootstraps and say, I don't need a Savior. I just needed another chance. That's what I needed. This year's going to be different. Get to the next year. This year's going to be different. It's so conflicting. Our culture is so comfortable. They don't know whether to be thankful or whether they need more. They don't know whether they need a savior or just another chance. And the reality inside of this is, just like Stephen Miles said, consumerism is arguably the religion of the late 20th century. Here's how I, I want us to see consumerism. I want us to see it for what it is, but I also want us to understand that consumerism, much like many stories, is its own religion and it preaches its own gospel. And we have to see this because as gospel people, as as, as a people of God, we are not against. Consumerism. It's not like we're, we're going out and just trying to be against things. We have this true gospel story. We have the true story of all the world. And all these other religions and all these other stories are against the true gospel. So, uh, Mike Goheen, who helped shape this series, has done a lot of research on this. And so a lot of this thought comes through, through some of his talks But did you know that the average North American is exposed to 3,000 ads a day? 3,000 ads a day. Now, what those ads are doing are creating in us new desires, creating in us dissatisfaction, and they are preaching What the good life is. So here's what I want us to see. That they're creating new desires. They're creating dissatisfaction. And they're creating in us here's what the good life is. Let me read this this quote to you. Advertising's aim is to teach people that they have wants. (laughs) Which they did not recognize before. And where such wants can be best supplied. That's from Thomas Red's book on advertising. When I read that, it reminded me of how this time of the year, my kids come up with things that they just saw for the first time. And the way they want to emphasize how badly they want it is say, Dad, this is something I have always wanted. And it's something you've always wanted. Number one, you're two. You haven't even been able to form sentences for a long time. And you just saw it yesterday. This is something you've always wanted. And the reality is, when we hear this, Dad, this is something we've always wanted. This causes major holiday stress for many parents why well because if they've always wanted it i've got to provide their always wants and so we get into this cycle of they always want i got to get this for them and then all of a sudden great stress comes on but what we have to understand is this is what the bible says sin does sin in interaction with the law creates and stirs up desire and wants that you didn't even know you had before. You, You look at the industries that have capitalized on this and you see the sex industry has capitalized on this and you see all the kind of advertising that is capitalized on this, that people are perpetually dissatisfied. And so if you give them new desires, then all of a sudden they think that that new desire will fulfill them. The point of advertisement is to create in us dissatisfaction. Let me read you a quote by Rodney Clapp. He said this, We consumers are perpetually dissatisfied fulfillment and lasting satisfaction are forever just out of reach instability itself is as old as humanity or at least the fall of humanity i like that what is unique in the modern consumerism is the idolization and constant encouragement of instability The defecation of dissatisfaction. Now, that is a powerful quote when we start to realize that inside of us, as far back as humanity or, I like it how he said it, the fall of humanity, there is this dissatisfaction. To create in us dissatisfaction causes us to look for what is going to fulfill that. And inside of that you see marriages falling apart. You see relationships falling apart. You see people who struggle with body image. That your body should look like this. You should be dissatisfied with your body. Your relationship should look like this. You should be dissatisfied with the emptiness of your relationship. All of these things... Breeding in us this dissatisfaction and setting us up for the preaching of the gospel of consumerism. Here is what will save you from your dissatisfaction. Buy more. I don't know if you've seen these commercials, but if you haven't, you should go on YouTube and look up AT&T com- commercials, and there's this one that says, uh, there's this man sitting in a circle with a bunch of kids around him. Has anybody seen these commercials? Well, he, he asks the question, what's better, less or more? And there's this little girl, she's so cute, and she says, more? And she starts to answer his question, and she's... she's kind of speaking as a cute little girl there, and then at the end, she says that this is, I just want more, I want more, I just want so much more, I want more. And he goes, I get you. I get where you're going with that. And I couldn't help but laugh, but then I couldn't help but be sad at the same time. Because what we really believe is that less is hell, and more is, Is heaven and that this item will save us from the hell of less and bring us in to the heaven of more it's selling us a bill of goods it's selling us the good life and what we have to see is this the religion of consumerism has its own gospel It's painting a picture to us of what hell is, showing us what heaven is, and then proclaiming, here's the Savior that will bring you into it. Whether we see that in consumerism or not, you have to hear that no matter what the story is, there is this idea of some of us think that singleness is hell and marriage is heaven. Then who's the Savior? Whoever can bring us out of singleness into marriage has saved us from hell and brought us into heaven. Some of us think that marriage is hell. And singleness is heaven. Then what brings us out? You can see that our perpetual dissatisfaction, no matter what state we are in, Calls it, causes us to look for a savior. But, but studies have shown, and here's, here's what you have to understand. These are not just biblical studies. Studies have shown that materialism and the pursuit of money and processions breeds in us unhappiness, dissatisfaction, depression, anxiety, anger, isolation, alienation. Get this materialistic people are poorer than they think. Now, as we listen to this, some of us could be convicted of our consumerism and and hopefully there is a part of us that is convicted of our consumerism no matter at what level it is and that we would be called to repentance as we hear the proclamation of the gospel. But there's another side to this where people go, Amen! Those consumerists are just jerks! Kill them all. And we become anti consumers. Now, an anti consumer stance is not what we're calling you to. Because a lot of us think that if we're just against consumerism, so we just grow our own food and we we just do our own thing and make our own clothes and we, we do everything on our own, we don't consume nothing. Quote, unquote. This is not what we're calling us to. What we're calling us to is being good stewards of God's gifts. Responsible for how we use resources. And we're aware of how what we do affects others. We need to learn as the people of God. To not just be against consume, consumption or against consumers. But we need to learn how to be gospel people. We need to learn how to be Christ-centered people. Who shine the light of the gospel into the world around us. Into a consumeristic culture. And this is why the story of Advent is so uh, important. Let me read you another quote I think is really good. From Stanley Howard says this Christianity is the proclamation that God gives Christians a gift that they did not know they needed. Then the gift transforms their life so that they are trained to want the right things rightly. The gospel is this proclamation of this great and glorious gift, and this gift so satisfies the deepest longing of our souls that we can now use the things that God gives to us, not to satisfy us because we're already satisfied, but now we can use those things rightly. And this is what we were looking at in Colossians chapter 1, and and I'm going to read a couple verses there, and, and, and just kind of listen to the words as we... Read through these. Verse 15. And he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him for him. Skip to verse 19 says this For in him all the, ful- the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. What is it that we see in the story of God? That God is this good and loving God. The earth was formed and void and, and empty. And that God out of His goodness, out of His character creates all things. And not only does He create it, He gives it its value. That under His rule and reign all things have place and value. Then He creates image bears he creates man in his own image and he gives them value and that he has called them to to rule and to reign and to reflect his image but then we see in Genesis chapter 3 that they rebel against this it wasn't just that they ate a piece of fruit right if I if I bite into a piece of fruit I don't feel sinful matter of fact I feel like I made a good decision So it wasn't the biting into the fruit that was the act of sin. It was the rebellion in their heart that says, I can determine what's good and evil. I don't need to be under the rule and reign of God. Who's who's he to say that this is good? That came out by them eating of the fruit. The rebellion in their heart. And inside of that, they were separated from God. And at that point, He could have turned them away and destroyed them. They were deserving of death and and evil increase. But there is this God that we see all the way through the story of Scripture who loves and pursues. And God loved the world so much that we see the apex of that when He sent His only begotten Son, Jesus. The firstborn of all creation. Two manifest God in flesh. That if, if we want to know God, we're to look at Jesus. If we want to know what life in the Spirit is like, we look at Jesus. That God manifested Himself through Jesus. God loved the world so much that He gave His Son. What do we see that is revealed through Jesus, primarily I I want us to point to this thing of love, that we, as God's people, we get to see in Jesus that God loves us. That That should literally rock us. God loves us. And that His love for us fulfills us. What is our deepest desires? What is our deepest longings? What is it that we really, really want? And I would, I would propose to you that we really want to know what it means to be loved and fulfilled by that love and accepted. it. And when God sent his son Jesus, he manifested his love. He sent his love. He gave this gift. And that gift... It's not like other gifts where we get that gift and it goes in the trash and it can't fulfill us because it was not created to fulfill us. But that this love is so fulfilling that we should be overwhelmingly satisfied and fulfilled by this love. God gives this gift of love. This great love. What else do we see? Well, we see that He's the firstborn of all creation, that this God is all powerful. Through Jesus, we see that He is the God of all creation, that we are made for Him. He is the Lord, He is powerful. And that should give us, as His people, this God of power who loves us, a rest. That stuff will not give us rest. It will actually make us toil and work harder to try to get more stuff so that we can have more so that we can find rest and the lie of perpetually working and working and working to try to get rest and satisfaction only comes when we see our god is in control he is the firstborn of all he is over all he is the god of power and that god loves us and what does that do for us as his people it gives us rest because he is in control What else? It makes us thankful. The fullness of God was pleased to dwell. God is sufficient. Jesus is more than enough. It's more than enough. And when we know this, that we have all that we need in Christ, we can be thankful. We can be thankful that we have all that we need. The gospel is this proclamation that Jesus is enough. Consumerism's gospel proclaims, you don't have enough. When we believe power of the gospel, When we look at the work of Jesus, we can be thankful. When these things are true, and when we understand that whatever sin offers, God offers more, not because he offers more stuff, but because he offers himself. You get that? That what we get is not more stuff. This is not a prosperity gospel. This is the proclamation that we have all that we need in Christ. That the story of Advent is this great proclamation of how God, the God of creation, has restored His creation And he's freed his creation and he forgives those who have sinned against him. And more importantly in this story, what you have to hear is that this God is not a God who we have to go out and work in order to receive this. But this is a God who selflessly loved us and pursued us and by his grace gave himself to us and for us. Church, when this is at the center of how we celebrate, it it should radically change our celebration. We become a contrast community in a consumer culture. We become a contrast community in a consumer culture, and in that community, it's a community of contentment in Christ. So we are content in a world that is unsatisfied and greedy and envious. We are a community of patience and self-control in a world that is seeking instant gratification. We are a community of gentleness and kindness in a world that is increasingly violent, jaded, and overloaded with consumers. We are a community of joy and thankfulness in a world of dissatisfaction. We are a community of accountability and and, and a a community that is not made up of individual autonomy or self fulfillment. We're a community of selflessness and sacrifice in a selfish selfish world, in a self centered world, in a, a world of entitlement. We're a community of authentic character in a world of surface facades and images. We're a community of stewardship in a world of waste. The gospel meets the deepest longing of our hearts. Do you believe and know that Jesus loves you? Are you fulfilled with that? That because of the work of of the gospel, because of the work of Christ, we get God. We get restored relationship with God. We get union. We're in covenant with the God of the world. We are fully satisfied with him. Because of this powerful and good and loving God, we can find rest in a very chaotic time in Christ. And because we are fully satisfied and He is all-sufficient, we can be thankful. Should we celebrate this time? Absolutely. We should actually be the ones who the world around us looks into this community to see how to celebrate. All that we need, all that we are, is in Christ. You see, over these next few weeks, as, as the teachers here unpack this text and begin to show us the longing we should have for this Savior and, and begin to continue to unravel this, I, I, I pray that we take these truths and this doesn't just become something that we 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 check in and listen to this message but that it so impacts our lives that it overflows into the way we celebrate as families that our kids would see that we're generous but not just generous because we buy a lot of things but we sacrifice we spend less on ourselves so that we can be generous towards others one of the greatest joys as I've been selling, celebrating Advent these last few years with my kids is to see them start to come up because we make a thing together to say, look, what are, how are we going to sacrifice to buy, more, buy less for ourselves so that we can give more to others? And my kids have begun to come up with ideas and say, dad, here's what we want to do. We want to take some of that money and do this. And they're thinking not just about the gifts they're going to get this year, but how they can spend less and how they can do more. Matter of fact, to hear them say these things to me begins to, begins to overwhelm my heart and begins to call me to even pray more, to say, God, teach them what it is to be so satisfied with you that they can continue to be a light to this world around them. Church, this is a joyous time. And that joy should overflow out of us. We should celebrate this time. But the world around us is looking for more to satisfy. And it's just going to lead them to more and more emptiness. Let's show the world as a contrast community what it looks like to celebrate the Savior, the fulfillment of His love, the beauty of His of resting in his power. And the thankfulness that we have. Because we are fully satisfied. In him. Jesus we thank you for this time that we have together. As your people. And the power that it is. To not just be. Your people but to be in a community of people. Like Redemption Church That. Is a family all the way across this city in very different contexts, but doing work together. God, I pray your blessing upon specifically this congregation that these people would be so overwhelmed by the incarnation, so overwhelmed by the coming of a Savior into this world, and so longing for your return. The new heavens, the new earth, the new creation. That this time would be joyful anticipation and longing, but that they would show the world around them that we have all that we need in Jesus. Protect them from the evil snares the world around us and give them, give them your spirit. Let them celebrate this time as a light to this city. We love you. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your power. And we are so thankful that you have satisfied every longing in our hearts. In Jesus' name.